Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone. Happy holidays. It's me, the one true host of the Patreon, Pod Strickland. This is not the first time, nor will it be the last time, that I take the reins from Schwinn. Where is Schwinn, you may ask? That's a question for another time, so you're going to have to stay tuned to wait and see. Uh, later on this special holiday edition of Pod Strickland to commemorate the festivities and to talk about some breaking news, we have a very special guest, uh, none other than frenemy of the pod and website, Jeremy Cohen of Nick's Film School, uh, the Cohen, the, the Cohen, I don't know how to spell your at, what is it, what is it on Twitter? The coincidence? It's like, it's just... Like coincidence, but spelled with my last name. All right, it's going to be attached to the uh, the <laughs> the social for this, so you you know where to find him. You probably already follow him, and if you don't, please please give him a follow. Happy holidays, Jeremy. How's it going? <laughs> Happy holidays, Prez. It's good. And you know, I might be a friend of me, but I'm also a friend of the pod since I do have a mailbag with Schwinn. So you know, we join forces. We're on the same team here. And then I'm not, I'm kind of a double agent in that sense. That's true. Lest I forget to do my responsibilities as uh, <laughs> as host of the pod here, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind everybody that we have a Patreon, which is probably uh, if you know you get a preview of this pod, you get a couple of other pods, you get Schwinn solo pod. He just had uh, he just had Schmilk on there. Um, uh, it, we, there's content from writers like Jack Huntley and Matt Miranda. Um, that you get from our website that's exclusive to Patreon subscribers. There's different tiers. You know, you shell out enough money and, you know, there, there's nothing really off limits here for uh, what, what we might do for the paper, right? Like, you can come on the pod. You can host the pod. We can come to your house, cook you some food. Everybody wears masks. Very safe. But I'm just saying we can get creative here. So uh, if you haven't contributed to the site either, that's totally okay. We got lots of content coming your way. Such as Draft Strickland, hosted by none other than me, Prez, Presidente. Uh, there's some uh, dope content coming out there since we're finally talking about this upcoming draft class, um, starting with uh, last week's pod and beginning again in, in the new year. So plenty of content, both free and behind the paywall. And uh, all of the support, whether monetary or not, is very much appreciated. All right, business out of the way. So uh, where was I? We're talking about the holidays. I'm ready. I'm risking travel, trying to do it all safe. I'm trying to go to my in-law's house, drink lots of coquito, and bang out some articles. This is what I do during the holiday breaks. This is like the only time I get the motivation and the proper amount of alcohol to really get my creative writing juices flowing. Uh, I'll give a a slight sneak preview. So we have something dropping on Christmas that, that I wrote. So stay tuned for that. Um, 
it's going to be a lot of a lot of merry gifts from the Strickland crew uh, this week and uh, the next week to follow as we bring in the new year. So, um, so check it out. There's a lot of good stuff going on. But before all that, I guess we should talk about a game that happened. The Knicks played the. Are they actually the worst team? I don't even know what their record is. They, they played are. the Pistons. They're the worst team. They're the worst team. Uh, I don't care. What is? Let me look up their standings right now because I don't really know how bad they are, other than they're really bad. Oh yeah, like five and twenty-five or something. Yeah, and the Magic are six and twenty-five with two of those coming versus the Knicks, but we won't talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big jump, and then you have the Pacers with thirteen wins, and the Knicks with fourteen wins, and the Hawks with fourteen wins, and the Raptors with fourteen wins. So a bit of a clusterfuck down there. But um, I'm pretty sure the Pistons are the like. If even though they only have one less win than the Magic, maybe it's just because the Magic played us competitively, and also we played at like ass in those games. But like they still played us competitively and won. In my head, I kind of view them as like by far the worst. Well, they at least have Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olynyk, and those guys have been injured a ton. So you know, I get that the Orlando game. I think is much more. I guess both of them pathetic, especially because I was at. One of them. Oh boy, how was that? Uh, that was actually our KFS night. Yeah, we oh, booked it thinking it was like, hey, yeah, we'll just see the Knicks win, and uh, still had a great time. Aside from the fact that the game ended terribly, we had a great view though of at the end of the game when Rose uh, threw it right to Orlando. It was like we could see it in real time because of the angle we were at. Really depressing, but it was still a fun game. We got to meet a lot of cool people, so it was worth it. That is both awesome and not, not awesome at the same time. But um, glad that y'all were able to get together a, a fun group and, and go check them out in person uh, before things got a little more hectic. So, yeah, like Jeremy said, the Pistons were without their uh, best offensive talent, Jeremy Grant, and arguably their second best, Kelly Olenek, which feels weird to say, but it might be true because the Pistons are that bad. Um, Cade has recently figured it out, sort of. Of late, um, he's on my fantasy team, so I'm well aware of his struggles throughout the year. Uh, he's been racking up the volume, but had pretty horrible efficiency. I don't think he's cracked 40% from the field on the year yet. And even in his play of late, where he's averaging over 20 and like, I don't know, I can pull it up. He's averaging like real good rebound and assist numbers, but his turnovers are, I think, equal to his assists. And both numbers are high, like five assists, five turnovers or something like that. So he's really figuring it out on the fly without much help. Um, I mean, it was a really random group. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, bless his heart, New Yorker, love his hustle. He might, and this is, I'm not even saying this to clown him. This is like a statistical evaluation. I think he's the worst finishing big in the NBA. And I looked into this because I was curious about it. And it's pretty much him and Precious, Precious Achua, another New Yorker, and another one of my faves. Um, Precious at least has the excuse of, like, he takes a lot of... He doesn't have the same shot profile as other centers because he puts up all... He thinks he's like a wing, basically, and Toronto just lets all these guys play like wings because they basically are all wings. But Stu... Stu isn't great. The Pistons aren't great. They don't finish well. They're not particularly great at defense. I don't think... I think Killian Hayes might be the best three-point shooter by percentage on their team right now. Um, Saban Lee, G League stud, was getting minutes. Um, who, who else was even playing yesterday? I'm trying to... Or not yesterday, two days ago. 
uh, Sadiq Bey. Hamadou Diallo. That's right. They have a lot of New Yorkers. Holy yeah. shit. Um, uh, Frank Jackson, who looks like an extra in a 1980s music video. Yes, yes. Love and Frank Jackson that. is a very 80s name as well. Yes, it uh, is. Frank Jackson sounds like the name of like a big time Coke dealer in New York in the 80s. Mm, I can see oh, that. Trey Lyles, who I kind of forgot oh. he was on the Pistons until he popped up. And it looks like he got, I don't know if he got out of shape or if he just like kind of bulked up a ton from when he was in, uh, I was going to say San Diego, San Antonio. So he was kind of there. Uh, let's see well, here. To be fair, I mean, he's always had a big caboose. That's why Phil Jackson originally That's true. reportedly liked him. So Yeah, we were going to draft him. There was yep. a big meltdown uh, for a hot second there. Um, which draft was that? That was the 2015. That was the KP draft? Yeah. That's right. It was the KP draft. I, I think Lyles went like in the teens. So that was a that was a fun few moments. And now yeah. neither's in there. Yeah, I mean he's he's not bad or anything. He's just kind of there. That's like the whole team. Like you're like, oh, this player shouldn't be that bad, but then nobody's really that good either, aside from Jeremy Grant. Um yeah, Cade hit right now uh, 15 a game. That's closer to 20 a game. Um, 15, 6, and 5 on the season. Uh, last 10 games, shooting 44 from the field, 44 from three. Um, six assists, four turnovers. So the efficiency is ticking up. And, and we saw him yesterday. Like It's just hard for him on that team. Um, we see guys like Mobley who have immense talent but also a team very well constructed to support his strengths and weaknesses and i feel like kate is the opposite um a lot of people who don't watch the pistons were like wow he's kind of weak at the rim and he is but like to be fair the knicks were just ignoring all of their quote-unquote shooters and mitch We'll get to Mitch, but Mitch had a great game from a rim protection perspective and rebounding perspective, so he wasn't making life easy on anyone. And every play, like he just doesn't have the he doesn't have the trickery yet or the athletic burst to just get to the rim at will when a whole defense is focused on him. So uh, it was just a recipe for inefficiency, um, even more than normal for him. So it was the Knicks. You know, they had a lead that vacillated from. 15 to 5 and sometimes they got a little closer in the second half um they i thought that even though a lot of their shooting numbers weren't that weren't that great um randall continued to be ice cold from three fournier had a real mamba mentality type line i think he was nine for 24 um We'll get to Kemba. He played well to me, but uh, 21 points on 21 shots. Not the most efficient. AB missed most of his shots. You know, I'm going to continue to give him a break as a new pappy. Um, Also, I'll repeat what I said on the last pod. Knicks, stop having children. Enough of that shit. We've had like fucking 10 newborns this year on top of COVID. Look, we're already dealing with a lot of shit here. So do us all a favor. Just be happy with the kids you don't have. If you don't got kids, Knicks, go babysit some other Knicks kids. There's plenty to go around. Obi got a couple. Julius got a couple. There's plenty to share. Y'all will be all right. Um, but yeah, so I guess my first question for you, Jeremy, because I've been rambling, is like regarding our offense versus the Pistons, It to me, it felt good. 
it aesthetically, I was like, ah, I didn't find myself getting that frustrated, but we really didn't score that well. Like we'd scored a little over a hundred points and like 45 in the first half, I think, which isn't a lot at all. So like, I I might be tripping. I don't know. I, some of my friends were like, you know, we still suck about offense and it was versus the Pistons who also suck. So like, were we really good on offense? Which feels like a fair statement, but it doesn't kind of align with the vibes I was getting. So where where were you at? I was mostly just happy to see this <laughs> win. You know, like when you go, what? It's like 16 losses in your last 24 games, something like that. You're It's just the fact that they won was important. And I understand that the competition was uh, not great. But I, that's the thing I kind of, I think I was talking with you about this earlier, where it's like Randall went one of six from three, but I thought the looks that he had were generally pretty good. Yeah. And I think if it were against any other team, I probably would have been very concerned. But here it was, you know, I never really felt like this game was going to slip away. So maybe that kind of changed things up a bit. But I, I just thought that the Randall Fournier two man game was so strong that it, it felt like even though things weren't working, they like the process was going. It just wasn't the results that we were hoping for. And, you know, again, it's, we can talk about the inferiority of the opponent, but if that's what it's going to take for the Knicks to be able to fine tune what they're doing, then so be it. I mean, that's, that's totally fine. Um, It's great to have the game that Mitch had because Noel's out now anyway with COVID, which I hope he feels better. Uh, but it's the sort of thing where it's like, okay, cool. So if Mitch isn't going to do similarly to what he did last night, then you're back to having issues at the five. And how do you replace that? And I, I don't know how you do it internally, other than hoping Obi can get more minutes that shifts Julius up to the five. That you get Jericho Sims in there. But I, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I, those are those are the obvious easy solutions right now. Obviously, there's uh, more that we can learn about later as the trade market opens up a bit more. But like, even Wayne Selden was splashing. <laughs> it, like, it was one shot. So be it. But Hey, I, it was his first NBA bucket in a couple of years, if exactly. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the Knicks had four players who had 38 minutes or more. And considering COVID, you know, just I was just satisfied with the fact that they... It was disappointing to see them claw back. But I thought a lot of that also was fixable in terms of just sloppiness from Julius and um, poor transition D. But because what was it? Uh, Hami, I think, had back to back transition dunks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it had just felt like the momentum was shifting, but the Knicks were able to stave it off enough to be fine. But it was a, a far greater 20 plus point lead, which you feel good about. It's then just kind of. I don't know. I, I felt as though if there were a second unit that wasn't consisting in the second half of Selden for, I think, five minutes, Taj and uh, Mitch played pretty much the entire second half. So it was really just one and a half guys who were checking in because Dot only played in the first. That's uh, you take it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, at least they had a fresh body and Trey Lyles off the bench. Is that who's that really going to be for the Knicks in this case? Is it Taj? I love Taj, but power not, forward Taj. Yeah, but he, <laughs> <laughs> small like that, forward Taj. <laughs> maybe I mean maybe he's starting a point now. Well, we'll see. But that sort of thing where the Knicks just didn't have the reinforcements that the Pistons did, 
And even though the Pistons bench wasn't great, I mean, they still have two guys in double figures. So, yeah, it's one of those games where I just I was just happy for the win and the process seemed better than the results. But I'm still a bit concerned by the results. But it just like it wasn't as big of a factor to me as maybe it was to other people. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. And honestly, like we talk about the Pistons being shitty and they are and whatever, but like even bad teams have things they're better at and things they're worse at, right? Like this team is worse at shooting. Their D rating is basically tied with the Knicks on the year. And like you look at the guys who were playing a lot yesterday, Cade Bay, Stewart, uh, Cordy Joseph. These guys aren't awful defenders. They're not making any all defense teams anytime soon, but like they're not bums on defense. And like, obviously they stink on offense and we fully took advantage of that, holding them to 90 points, which in like, like, like 90 points, I'm still used to like early 2000 scores. So when I say like a team got held to 90 to me, I'm like, Oh cool. Good defense. But in reality, that's like a defensive masterclass for, uh, for 2021. And I, I just kind of still have to make that adjustment that uh translation in my head so um you know when you consider that that this it's not they the pistons try and they're just they just don't have the talent and like you said we don't have any depth right now um i i i I was very happy with the process um we can go player by player real quick to just talk about these dudes and and that process because it'll lead into something else i want to talk about um i want to start we should start with Mitch. It was his best game of the season. Um, he looked spry. Like I mentioned before, uh, the Pistons are a horrible finishing team. And a, a center like Mitch is the absolute worst matchup for them. They're also one of the three worst rebounding teams in the NBA. So like, even with his diminished mobility, he can still take rim protection and offensive rebounding to the bank. Even even if it's only for like 20 minutes a game or whatever. And he did that versus them. Eight of nine, 14 rebounds, which I don't know if that's career high, but it's got to be close. Um, in only 24 minutes, which is kind of nuts. Um, and he was just, he was just demolishing them. Nerlens still dinged up, clearly not moving well. Nerlens was the only minus for the Knicks at minus 10. And it was just so clear that like when Mitch came in, there was absolutely nothing they couldn't get anything at the rim. Um, even good teams have trouble with the Knicks against the rim. They just balance that with open threes. But obviously, this isn't the team to balance anything with open threes. So uh, they were kind of just stuck on the deep end there. But again, like that stuff, we, we've learned that you can't take that for granted, right? We've seen Mitch get torched by not just stretch fives, but often stretch fives. And, you know, just we've seen him get torched by pick and roll coverage. Um He's still getting his legs under him. He's losing his weight. He looked he looked really, really good for his first stint in the game. Then he got a little bit tired. And then once he got a break, I think you could see him be noticeably more spry um, in the closing stretch of the game once the Pistons got a little closer. So it was, it's just really good to see him get back into shape, you know, regardless of what happens with him, whether he stays a Nick, whether he gets traded, whether he just ends the season and then sign somewhere else. Like you just want him. He's such a, a good dude. You just want him to, to be happy and to at least be healthy. So, you know, good for Mitch. Um, 
good to get this confidence under his belt. Um, he was able to get more shot attempts, which is not always a given. Um, and one reason for that was the penetration provided by two other players I wanted to talk about, Kemba and Fournier. Um, this is now two good games in a row by Kemba, full stop. Um, so where where are you at with Kemba? What's your what's your temperature check? How are we feeling about him? Does, this, does none of this matter to you? Well, uh, if we had talked about this a couple hours ago, I would have given you one answer, like how I went on uh, the, <laughs> oh, yeah, the bank shot. Right. <laughs> I was on. I did. I recorded the bank shot with John Schmilk an hour and a half ago, two hours ago. And when I'm talking about, I like, go, oh, yeah, you know, Kemba and the idea of him being potential trade bait, and because there's a glut of players at the one, and now that problem isn't really. A, it's a different kind of problem now, so. It's, I mean, he's kind of forcing Tibbs' hand. At the very least, now Kemba's going to stay in the rotation, which I'm happy about as a fan, just like a, a general basketball fan. I'm a UConn fan. Loved Kemba. Just seeing him perform is a lot of fun, but it's also, it feels like there's not a lot of winning basketball that is coming from his end. So I know Schwinn said on uh, Strick and Roll, how Kemba has had five assists. Uh, that's like his, his max for the season per game. And I know that you can't just measure it that way, but I think he adds a dimension, but it's just not good enough. But it's got to be because of the fact that what coverage do the Knicks really have for the next six to eight weeks? So, you know, as you said, he wasn't the most efficient. And I feel like that's probably going to continue to happen. But there's something about how he's been playing recently without the young players where it's forced the Knicks to kind of gel. And I think that Kemba's definitely benefited from that. I know Evans absolutely benefited from it. But again, like I, I, I just lukewarm on Kemba in the sense of he does the job, but there are also a lot of stats that indicate he isn't. And then to his credit, the team is a mess outside of him. So... But yeah, I mean, this is a long way of saying it really doesn't matter anymore because he's going to see significant minutes to begin with. I mean, playing 40 minutes is crazy for someone like Kemba, where we're talking about a guy who has had knee surgery and all sorts of problems. And you hope he can stay viable because if he can't, then you've got two point guards on the shelf, which is great if you are a fan of Deuce McBride. And if you want to see Emmanuel quickly run an offense, but the Knicks just need fresh legs at this point. It'll be interesting. Um, I think I'm a little higher on Kemba. I know I'm, I'm a little higher on him than you. I know I'm a lot higher than him on Schwinn because Schwinn want him sent back to Connecticut uh, some time ago. He was, he was way over it. And the reason is I, you know, yes, he doesn't always play the right way for this team. Sometimes he's a little bit of a chuck. Sometimes he doesn't pass as much as he needs to. His defense comes and goes. And even when it comes, it's, he's still a short dude who's old. So that can, you know, be a little rough, but like this team is really starved for perimeter creation. And Rose is obviously better at it than Kemba. He's a lot bigger and he finishes more. Um, but he doesn't have the same pull-up shooting threat that Kemba has. You know, all the stuff we talked about earlier this season about Kemba, like, I still think that stuff matters. And when Julius has to run the offense now without 
a real point guard. Like I love AB and the defensive upgrade. I do think that's a real thing with him. Um, even if the numbers don't really bear that out. Um, but like w- we see it with the turnovers all the time. Like half of that time is because he's trying to actually play the point guard and teams are smartening up in more ways than one, right? Like to start the season, they uh, most teams started implementing the same defense Atlanta did versus the Knicks where they like don't really double him, but they shade towards him. And you can't do that if he doesn't have the ball and you have to worry about another penetration threat. Um, you know, and Rose provides that to some extent, but Rose can only play so much before he breaks down like he did, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, in the games without Rose, unless Randall gets really back to like scorching shooting like he was last year, it's going to be really hard for him. And then on top of that, he's been sloppier with the ball because teams teams know they can sneak up on him a little bit with the ball, like as he's setting up the offense, because they know how he likes to set up the offense and they know he's not going to shoot as well. So like, they know he's a little more nervous and you can see it on his face. Like he's, you can tell when he's a little nervous with the ball. It's the same look he has when he's shooting free throws in the fourth quarter. If I'm just being a hundred percent honest, like it's just fucking, he doesn't, he looks a little stone faced, but to me, like you can, he's very easy to read. Like when he's, clicking and when he's not and uh you know when he's driving and swishing and dishing it's all good and he's still i'm still a huge fan of his and i i personally think he's not going to shoot this poorly for the whole year but like he just needs another real point guard who can put pressure it doesn't even have to be all the way to the rim it could be like iq whatever like just a little more than ab and that's no slight on him he's not a fucking point guard so like it's it's not a huge deal to me and then uh, you know, we'll we'll circle back to Fournier in a bit, but like you need if you can have penetration beyond just your in your primary ball handler, beyond your point guard, that is what really turbocharges an offense because that's like bonus penetration. That's how you get shit like the Heat have done for ten years, where it's you'll have possessions with multiple guys driving and kicking and just like the defense can't load up towards anywhere. Um and that was the whole idea behind a lot of the Knicks signings it's like oh everybody can dribble pass and shoot a little bit even though I think the equation weighed a little bit more toward the uh shooting variable than the dribbling variable um than a lot of us suspected so um with Kemba to just bring it for full circle like I'm happy he's hooping now I mean I, I like you said I don't think I think COVID is gonna answer a lot of the questions for us because I really doubt we're gonna have all our guys healthy at the same time for a long time barring like a pause of the season or something so most of these questions about like what combinations of people should run the point guard are probably fucking moot it's just whoever is there whoever could suit up is gonna run it between deuce and kemba and ab and julius and they might have to fucking ship rokasin from overseas at this rate like who the hell knows man um so i guess we'll see i'm optimistic uh we'll see what happens when we play you know a team better than the pistons um who do we play next the Wiz? yeah not that much better right now so so we might have to wait till the new year for to for solving that riddle
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.